0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I have broken the stream yet again, so just give me one second. We can get this fixed right up. But welcome to the Block Sauce, your weekly web show that serves up the juiciest discussions in the world of Web3 gaming culture. There we go. There we go. That's there we go. There we go. There we go. So today, so we are today a little bit different. The show. I got an echo. You might have an echo. How about now? We're gonna we're going just running it live. Things are different today things are different we're going to we're going to jump over and figure it out Now we're live <laughs> with everything <laughs> fixed. I hope. Uh, yeah. woo! it's a rough start, but somebody left me and Sinjin unattended with no adult supervision to run this show today. So, um, Fuck the adults, how are you doing, <laughs> how are you doing today? Profanity laden today. Oh man, oh, there's I mean, there's,
1: there's a lot to swear to about. No, let's just get down and dirty hardcore.
0: Well, first, I think that the, the elephant in the room, the recent news, Sam Altman is set to return to open AI. Um, I don't know how I feel about all this nonsense. Like, looking at it from start to finish, it just feels like a giant PR stunt almost, more than anything. Like who- Yeah, I haven't
1: cared about it at all. Everyone's been freaking out in the tech world, like, this is whatever, and they're showing corporate structures or whatever. I could give a fuck about it all. I'm too obsessed with gaming in the middle of, like, this... Uh, Gaming run, you know, launching games and my life is stressful enough. I don't care about this outside nerd drama of uh, whatever AI is going to destroy the world moving too fast, whatever like this, employer revolts, idiotic boards and pissing off your billion dollar partner.
0: I mean, Jesus. I mean, look, even if AI doesn't destroy the world, I think that our governments are doing a pretty good job of that on their own. I don't think we need AI to really push that it's forward. climate change, anywhere. man. We're hitting over 2% already, you know? Dude, it's, I don't know. To me, it's funny. Uh, I, I'm just, it's kind of crazy to me that OpenAI gets this kind of publicity. I mean, boards firing CEOs happens all the time, right? Like, this isn't something that is, like, oh my God, this is the first time in a decade a CEO has been fired. I think the only reason it's really getting any publicity is because it is open AI and they were first, uh, so to speak. I, I I mean, there's a dozen other AIs out there for me to use. ChatGPT could disappear and I, I, I'll I be fine. I mean, we got Grok coming next week. How you feeling about Grok?
1: I have no idea what Grok is. I'm, I'm, I'm from like the mid seventies. Oh. Dude, but, but, you it's know, Twitter's it, AI.
0: It's Elon Musk's AI. How are you not uh, a stan of Daddy Musk's uh, AI? Oh,
1: Brock, the, the funny AI, the cynical AI. Okay. I get Basically you Basically the one, the dad joke AI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. But, you know, OpenAI, I believe, is like, you know, one of the fastest adopted, you know, uh, you know, technology or apps ever, right? For the scale that they've ever done. I mean, it's a big deal i mean uh look at what ChatGPT has done in the last year and a half i mean like when ChatGPT 3 came out like holy shit! like on crypto twitter i mean it totally changed everything and uh you know around the world all these like concept artists were like fired uh within like you know a couple of months you know so you know it it, it really has had an, a material effect uh in the tech world for sure uh, and i think like you know, even my wife uses Chat GPT. I don't use Chat GPT, but my wife does, you know, and she got introduced by her other, like, you know, middle-aged, you know, stay-at-home, you know, rich mommies who, like, just love it, you know, so uh, it's, it's an unbelievable thing. So, you know, it is, it is a big deal. It, it definitely is a big deal. Uh, and I think the way that they handled it, the board, um, you know, the approach they took for whatever reason, Knowing that they would be pushed back, whatever like that, decided to do this in in a very righteous way. Uh, but they're also still like alignment with your board and stuff like that. I mean, uh, yeah, very dramatic, but like ultimately, you know, Sam's back, Sam's with Microsoft. I don't give a fuck, actually. (laughs) You know, AI, as you mentioned, AI is marching on. I mean, the the genie is out of the ball. The Pandora's box is open. I mean, yep. you know, it's not really resting on one individual any longer, right? And you know, Elon obviously making his moves as well, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, showing his position. So, well, wonderful. I
0: mean, yeah, at this point, like you said, I think you nailed it perfectly. AI is going to march on regardless of what happens. Uh, you know, if Chat GPT is the big thing, cool. If it's not Chat GPT, and we see. Microsoft or Google or whoever's AI take over. I mean it's gonna happen. Like AI isn't really gonna go away even if Chat GPT fades. So I, th- I have to agree with you on that one for sure.
1: No, but uh, I'm interested to see how much Chat GPT is it four or five? Five? Five what version are we at now?
0: Uh yeah, I think if you're paying for it, I think five is either slated to release or has already yeah. released.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I'm interested to see how much of a big difference that is because ChatGPT4 from someone who is, uh, you know, I always mention it, but in my late 40s and stuff like that and and been around and, you know, been an executive and so on and so forth, uh, you know, it, it at its very best, like the material that it gives back or the response it gives back is at a senior manager level, which is very high right but it's still nothing like someone in my position i was going to use on a daily basis you know uh and i want to see you know how much higher has it become like if it if it's like you know like a vice president level you know uh in terms of responses and understanding and how it's presenting the data then i'll be like very fucking impressed you know
0: Mm. all right yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, do I have concerns regarding AI? I think everybody has some concerns, uh, and, and that stems more so from like giving it unfettered internet access, not having restrictions in place, the answers that you receive could, I mean, it's been proven that, that AI is actually given misinformation or blatantly lie. And people have tested, uh, there was a thread I saw the other day, it was uh, something about blueberry, and they went through asking various AIs to, you know, where is the R in the word blueberry and most of the AIs flat out said there is no R. I think only one of the AIs said it was between the E and the Y. And I was like, that's kind of crazy. The AI can't even figure out the relative position of a letter in a word. And we're putting like, you're already seeing it. There's been... uh, no.
1: That's interesting because it could be the data set, right? because uh, not many idiots are going to ask uh, Google where is the R in Blueberry as they type it on and see it on a screen right uh, and so you know you can have examples there but I think what's more interesting is like what do you think the end game of uh, AI ends up being in terms of the negative side of it and for me you know it's pretty clear that you know there's going to be different types of AI and there's going to be good AI and there's going to be bad AI AI that loves humanity and loves engine and AI who thinks that Sinjin is the bane of uh, humanity and and the world's existence, right? And I almost kind of believe that, you know, I can almost envision where, you know, obviously there's a level of, you know, uh, different government level AIs fighting each other. And then there's kind of good AI and bad AI in the background fucking around as well. But the moment that we lose and the good AI that likes humanity gets fucked by like bad AI, we're not even going to notice it happens but we're going to notice the effects of it happening, right? Right away, right? But this battle, uh, you know, what's I guess th- uh, really frightening is, is that like this battle and this kind of uh, battlefield could happen without us ever knowing or, you know, happening in, in an instant,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And, and not being prepared for it. And so I think when it makes such an intuitive leap, uh in terms of its intellect and capabilities uh you know humanity really can have safeguards to really compensate for this unless we're just even if we're going slower because at a certain tipping point i believe that you know ai will just you know surpass uh you know our safeguards and so on and so forth what about yourself where do you feel like the real danger of ai is if you were to say very practically
0: Um, it it is the unfettered access that that's it for me. Uh, you know, think about dark web, think Mm -hmm. about all the websites of how to do things that you probably shouldn't do that aren't legal. And Mm -hmm. it's not chat GPT itself that concerns me because they do have safeguards in place, but there are others that are taking chat GPT and building off of that with those safeguards removed. And that is causing people to, I mean, I'm trying to do this in a way that we don't get flagged by the FBI or something, but let's just say there is something highly illegal that you want to build that would cause a lot of problems for a lot of people and result probably in mass death. And you can't just really go and Google that. But if you don't have those limitations in place, you can go ask ChatGPT that because who's monitoring ChatGPT? See what I'm saying? Now, again, it's not ChatGPT specific because they are, they do have safeguards and they do have legal preventative measures in place.
1: You'll be surprised how many people Google how to murder my, you know, lovely spouse and then get caught after the fact that they Googled it as proof. This is a
0: discussion. We're not actually going to be Googling these things. Please don't flag us. Yeah, I'm sure my wife has Googled that many times
1: to see what she can do to poison me. But being Korean, I think she would take the most direct path. You know, wouldn't mind getting caught. You know, crimes of passion and all the rest. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like that's really an issue as well because you, we, you know, the government can track
0: that and you know who's making the search uh, queries and and so on and but, so forth. But it extends past that though because think about it: if the AI has the ability to learn, and it has full unfettered internet access what stops it from rewriting itself reprogramming itself or adding a entire clone of itself that makes it into the internet what happens then see what I'm saying then you have all these IT people trying to contain something that adapts and learns as it goes that is in my opinion a scary thought now is it going to happen I don't know somebody let well, assume it up, does happen but and uh,
1: either uh, you know, the AI will feel pity for humanity because it will notice all like the reality of most humans are just like pieces of shits and deranged individuals and. Perverse. I knew
0: where you're going with that. Yeah, oh. or or will
1: uh, you know try to help us uh, and uh, you know whatever.
0: Well, think about Save all the systems from ourselves. Around the, yeah, but think about all the systems around <laughs> the world that rely on these network connections and the internet, right? Traffic. Yeah. Banks, security systems—imagine everything just goes dark one day. Do you think we would function as a society?
1: Do we? No, uh, like obviously not. Not in, as a modern society. I mean, there'd be a massive upheaval, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, basically, we're 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 afraid of a, a third-party entity taking control and judging us in a way, and we're assuming that you know, the judgment would be negative for sure, you know, because we as humanity as a whole suck, right? And I mean, if you were an alien organization and you came to Earth and you're like, okay, well, these guys don't give a shit about global warming, obviously they have, like, this data, but they don't give a shit about it, and they don't care about, like, the other species, because they're just killing most of them and farming, you know, fucking salmon and shit like that, and that's about it, and they don't care about, like, their actual fellow humans, and just let them fucking starve and die, even though they have enough resources to you know, provide at least the bare minimum. And, you know, there's a case where humanity pretty much sucks. It's like that Matrix movie where, uh, you know, basically uh, Agent Smith basically says that, you know, humanity is like a virus, right? We really have like the same kind of, you know, uh, characteristics and attributes where we come and we basically destroy whatever we touch. You know, it's more of a reflection on ourselves.
0: I mean, you do have a very valid point. I mean, if we were to zoom out, like we look at earth, like we're the top level, right? But what if we were to zoom out of the bigger picture and we look at earth as like, I don't know, a blood cell? Would we not be a virus? Literally? I mean, we're killing it. Oh, no, no. We're, no, we're actually not
1: killing it because whether or not, you know, there is global warming or whatever and we fuck it all up and we're, we have inequality to all of humanity, the Earth will carry on as it has past dinosaurs and the Ice Age and woolly mammoths and humanity will just have stuffed ourselves out. It's our egotism as, as humanity to think that we are the Earth. And Mother Nature will be fine. You know, it's just that we fucked up we will be fucking it up and we will be fucking ourselves up as inhabitants on earth but earth will be fine mother nature will correct itself and you know maybe there will be another humanity in another like 4 or 5 million years they'll fossilize and you know they'll see uh, our technology and they'll realize oh these past humans were real sick perverse people <laughs> but you know in almost every single sci-fi book i've ever read there's mm-hmm. always like this this uh period where like whatever it's post whatever and there's always a period where there was a massive ai war and they barely survived it you know it's funny cuz when the the opening like intro of dune is like you know like you know whatever 200,000 years again you know after the massive ai wars and that's why you yeah. know humans are the ones whatever and you look at uh foundations recent you know apple uh, what it called series and you know uh, it talks about the, the great AI war and how they've, def- you know, defeated, you know, androids and so on and so forth. So, you know, I think for a lot of futurist writers and stuff like that, they they look at it as kind of like this stepping stone in terms of humans' evolution that we're all likely to go through this, and it's going to be disastrous across the board. You know, it's never going to be like, oh, we had a great time with AI and you know humanity didn't get almost wiped out. And it's, it, I think, it's a reflection on us as humans. You know, that we, we believe that we're almost worth not worthy <laughs> of like existing in some respects. You know?
0: Yeah. It's just crazy. I, I, this whole conversation went from AI to aliens, to viruses. I I'm loving it. That's uh, two AM morning for me, man. <laughs> you're like that. Ah, nothing's off limits for me. I can get creative, That's but right. in other news, um. It looks like there has been a class action lawsuit filed against Apple because they are now limiting peer-to-peer payment options on its devices and blocking crypto payments on iOS payment apps Uh, this apparently includes Venmo and cash app they are restricting use of decentralized cryptocurrency technology uh, which is causing users to pay rapidly inflating prices now I don't even know how Apple would have that level of control. I'm kind of actually hoping this lawsuit goes through. I want Apple to take an L here. I'm, I'm an iPhone user. Like, don't get me wrong. I love my Apple phone, but Apple has shown time and time again that they're not afraid to, to implement anti-competitive practices to try and make sure that they do whatever they want to do. They don't care about the end user. They don't really care about these companies that are building apps in their store, they just care about them. Uh-huh, but in their
1: view, maybe they do care and they're maintaining the integrity of their system, which they have full control over. So it looks like they don't care because they're unilaterally making the decision, but they do care in their own, uh, you know, Steve Jobian kind of way of their clothes. We price. know what's best for you. Right.
0: <laughs> and, Where you We know, heard
1: that before hop in and say, well, I three and decentralization solve this. Well, yes and no i mean yes if you're not on a centralized platform and you want you know access to you know crypto payments and stuff like that absolutely but if you are using current centralized systems right but using decentralized payment rails but the centralized system says no right then it doesn't solve shit, right so like you know in in some ways decentralization and dApps and stuff like that have to almost reach all the way down the you know retail tech stack in terms of you know what are you know what we interact with, but the barriers to entry are so huge. Imagine that you know we were going to have our own you know uh, you know app store. Well, what would that really require? Would be you know our own phones, right? And now you know it gets down. to- from- saga. Yeah, <laughs> but you know how difficult that is, right? And the fact oh, that yeah. you know it's centralized distribution, centralized manufacturing. So on and so forth, right? And this illusion of decentralization kind of gets, uh, we call it shattered because decentralization and chaos, the difference is that chaos is without any infrastructure at all. And decentralization is like kind of the evolution of all the infrastructure that allows decentralization to happen on a digital level, right? But as soon as you move past or be lower into the nuts and bolts where it's not as digital, right? You need rule of law. You need people to protect the data centers. You need, you know, the capital to, you know, have ownership to, you know, you know, create infrastructure, right? Even decentralized infrastructure is not really decentralized in the core of it in terms of how it's owned, how we interact. Yes, right. Um, And so, you know, Apple will do whatever Apple wants to do. And there's nothing we can do about it except for go to Android, you know, and Android will do whatever they want to do at Play Store until we have you know other means or whatever mm-hmm. but I think in the most part most consumers are not against whatever Apple or you know Android is doing because you know for the most part it is in the best interest of their user base if it wasn't then you know Apple you know wouldn't probably
0: do any of those things or at least they can get away with it cap. So, be I'm not a dev and maybe I I'm, I'm misunderstanding the difference but why why would it affect those apps but not apps like coinbase metamask phantom aren't they still technically peer-to-peer
1: uh no because they're not using paint they're not they're not used for payments right so you can transfer it out right to, to another uh account right but you're not using it for specifically sending it to someone who doesn't have another coinbase account or another crypto wall that's going out of the system right this is like basically just you know Venmo and stuff like that is, is is used as, you know, for payment, you know, uh, rather for transfer. So, I think there's a, a, definitely a distinction there, right? Does that make so, sense? Because, like, in, in Coinbase and stuff like that, you're holding your crypto there for trading as a brokerage, right? You're not really using it as a payment can't
0: Well, I was going to say there there are apps that, that is your payment processor for crypto. Uh, I actually just saw somebody post a tweet uh, <laughs> video yesterday. They set up their store to purchase items through Coinbase. Now, that's not peer-to-peer, though. That is obviously consumer-to-business, right. so a yeah. uh, little different. But if we started doing that, I mean, think about it. If I'm trading, um, if I if I take my Coinbase and I send it to you, that's peer-to-peer, isn't it? Same for MetaMask. If I, if I send a transaction directly to you, that's peer to peer, isn't it? Uh, no, in some ways, yes and no, because like,
1: uh, if I'm on a coinbase and I've KYC there, then I'm from uh, like the source of funds is noted and trusted. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at okay. This point, so that makes sense At coinbase. Right? Well, so yeah. for peer to peer, right? Both parties may not be KYC. Like if I, uh, send on uh, Venmo or whatever, Zelle or whatever, like that, obviously, you know it, it's kind of peer-to-peer but both sides are you know to some degree kyc right so i'm not sure in this case but like you know if it's just peer-to-peer transfer without any kyc or whatever like this right then there's a difference there right like where the source of funds are coming from like where's this wallet you know being you know where i'm holding my ethereum to and then who am i sending it to
0: as well right so Now, I'm double checking real quick because um, the other day I went to buy some crypto and usually on MetaMask, I can do so using PayPal, but the other day it was not an option anymore. Okay. I don't know what happened there, but I wish it would revert. So I opened up my wallet and it's like $10,000 balance. And I'm like, yes, what happened? Something went up. And then it goes 129. i I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> 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 had me excited. I was like, man, bull's is back for sure. Uh, let's see. So if I go buy right now, because I'm going to use ETH. I know ETH was purchasable with PayPal previously through the MetaMask wallet. It's thinking. Oh, no, PayPal's back. Okay, so it must be certain cryptocurrencies you cannot buy with PayPal now. Mm. Okay. Well, okay, well, that's good. So that's good to know. Okay, so maybe, maybe we'll get lucky and the ones that I'm used to using will be untouched. I don't know. I don't use Venmo or, well, I use PayPal, but not for crypto stuff anyway. So yeah, that's whatever. So to me, I don't think this is necessarily a big deal. If what you're saying is true and you don't think it applies to MetaMask, Coinbase, all that stuff, I think we're good. I don't think this is really that big a deal. I, I do kind of hope the lawsuit still goes through, though, just because I like to see Apple taking L's when it comes to consumer practices, but um, I think even if it doesn't go through, we're not going to see anything crazy as a result. Yeah, I know. I like Apple. I like Google. I'm from
1: Generation X. I trust in (laughs) certain of these institutions that were countercultural at the time, right, in response to the true boomer institutions. So, I don't know.
0: I like Apple because when the FBI came knocking and said, hey, give us a back door to your devices, Apple was like, nah, screw off. Google's like, hey, here you go. Which, I mean, I got nothing to hide, but I'm just, I'm a security guy. Anybody that shows me that they're more willing to focus on security than bending over. I'm, I'm all for So I'm pro Google or pro Apple, Google. And eh, I use them for Gmail. <laughs> I think the
1: biggest issue is that, you know, that that choice is no longer our choice, right? Especially where all our data is being held. Right. hundred percent or, you know, 98% of the population. It's sufficient. Right.
0: As long so. as it just works, people are happy. That's all they yeah. want. But Absolutely. I'm, not, I'm not in that 99%. I look at security, encryption, data storage. I look at everything and I make, cause I used to be heavy on Android. For many years, I loved Android. And even now there are times that I go, dang, I really wish I had an Android so I could go play this web three game," since they didn't launch on iOS. But I I, I dude, it is so hard when you, once you get invested, in an ecosystem, it is so hard to leave. All, you know, Apple Music, all my movies I've purchased, uh, the, the like all the apps that I bought from the App Store, all the in-game purchases that don't transfer between iOS and Android. Like I, at this point, if I leave, I'm out a ton of money. So mm. it kind of sucks. And that's something else I wish we could address. Maybe there's a way to transfer purchases. That's more on the games though I have found. Uh, because there are a lot of games that set up systems, that will tie it to like your Gmail, your Twitter or whatever and then you just sign in on the other device, everything transfers. So it seems like it's a developer problem more so than an Apple ecosystem or even Google ecosystem problem. Um, well, developing on Apple and developing on Android are, are two
1: very separate things like certain platforms mm-hmm. like obviously Unity makes that easier, right? But yeah. like, you know, when you're, you know, developing a native app, I mean, you, you're, you're really making a conscious decision to pick which one first. Right, Apple in some ways is easier to develop for because there's more standardization. And in in, in uh, True. you know Android, there are so many different you know specs and, and, and screen sizes and, and optimizing for it and in versions that it's, it's a pain in the ass. But in terms of the barrier entry for you know Android and the addressable market outside the U.S. or Europe, Western Europe, I mean, it's it's Android all the way. Mm. Right, for myself, I maintain an ecosystem in both. Right. So like we have, in my family- BlueStacks. What's
0: BlueStacks? Oh, that's the Android emulator. That's pretty much the only way I get yeah. to some Web3 games. <laughs> that that yeah. That's my Android presence. <laughs> when
1: I was doing mobile game development, I mean, we literally had at our office, like, I don't know, like 10 different cell phones so we could do testing and stuff like that, right? 10 different Android phones and Apple, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, so on and so forth, right? So, I don't know, I mean, uh, I think, uh if you have the means to maintain in both ecosystems then you know you don't really feel that you just literally switch i like I, I routinely carry around like two or three cell phones uh you know uh when i'm traveling and so on and so forth because you know uh each cell phone has a different kind of use nothing uh on the download just you know out of convenience
0: yep i agree with you and the the point that you made about the uh the hardware also rings very true it's like the difference between trying to develop for playstation or pc all playstations have the same hardware yeah pcs people are still running pcs from 20 years ago good luck finding a way to run your game on that oh yeah absolutely. <laughs> unless it's browser based
1: um i'm open to all yeah. things like i have this vape and i have this vape and i have like this different <laughs> flavored vape you know Boom. i'm a i'm a very good. uh open uh accepting person of all things
0: yeah i agree with you i don't hate google i just i just wish more web 3 games weren't having so many difficulties in the apple ecosystem because the hardware i I guarantee you'd be so much easier hardware wise to build for because it's all standard i mean every time iphone releases uh, um like for example i think it's the 15s just came out you all know they have the same processors. They might have different screens, they might have different storage capacities, but at the end of the day, the processor's the same across the board. Uh, You know what the floor is for the amount of RAM that the phones have because the absolute bare minimum, I think, has like four gigs, which is pretty standard these days anyway. So you know what you're working with. But Android, I've got an Android that I still use, mostly for Spotify. but it's an LG Aristo. I think it's got maybe two gigs of RAM and like some 700 series Snapdragon, like that thing is old. So, mm-hmm. you know, imagine a developer, I go to play their game and I'm like, hey dude, my my ancient phone can't play this game. They're like, well, kind of SOL, right?
1: Yeah, definitely <laughs> shit out of luck. You know, what's uh, interesting is that um, I'm happy that we even have a choice between the two. You know uh, you know Microsoft was trying to obviously get into mobile operating systems back
0: in the day. And, they were uh, ahead of their time
1: uh,
0: <laughs> I whatever. will argue but, that
1: yes you know the, the biggest thing with uh, what people I think uh, right now don't realize is how much Microsoft was such an evil empire you know until Linux came along and it kind of like opened that up and you know that open source movement was really in in response mm-hmm. to the monopoly that Microsoft had. And if Microsoft had its way, there would only be Microsoft OS on all of these phones. And it would be even more trianical, uh, you know, under that regime. You know, people look at uh, Bill Gates as like this really nice guy. But if you were raised in the 80s and 90s, you know, he's like the original evil nerd, right? You know, no one liked him like during that whole like 80s, 90s period
0: at all. You he know, said evil nerd, and the first thing that came to mind was that nerdy dude from uh, Despicable Me. The one with yeah. the coconut bowl haircut. Ah, uh, he's, he's nice. He's nice compared to, like, what we Gates get. Victor, I think like that. that was his name, Victor. That's right. I mean, if you
1: look at, uh, you know, there was an article recently that, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, even though it was recommended that, you know, they take off teenage filters, he's like, well, show me the data, right? But in order to show the data on like that, I mean, there are, it's this pretty high bar do it but there's a level of common sense where you know the current kind of trend and recommendations and you know the studies on you know teenage mental health on you know general of these social apps has proven that you know it's it's horrible on their mental health and yet he wanted you know data specifically for these filters otherwise you know he felt like there's no point to take it off because other you know sites will have it but instagram holds a certain position right I mean, my level of respect for Mark Zuckerberg is like negative like a thousand, right? But he is a person who has no social skills and yet ironically manages two of the biggest social networks, Instagram and uh, Facebook, right? Uh, Yeah, but didn't they buy out Instagram? I don't think they built that one. That's right. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg does not have enough social skills to do so. And, you know, if you (laughs) read into like, did he actually, you know, make Facebook in the first place? No uh you know that was not his concept either right you know the winkle bosses and their other buddy
0: had actually you know
1: seeded that idea
0: right uh, i mean windows they, wasn't even bill gates idea he bought it off of somebody else for like 50 bucks uh no that was dos
1: that was
0: DOS. yeah yeah windows
1: ripped off of uh what uh you know apple had been doing as a you know you know graphical user interface which they had ripped off from you know xerox apple Is there
0: even original ideas anymore? (laughs) Is it all money? Who can buy out the original ideas first? (laughs) Not really money, but who can execute, right? That is fair. That is fair. That's a good point. Yeah, but then those who execute,
1: you know, are far away from those who had the maybe the ethos and the idea of what it was meant to be. For instance, DeFi. Uh, You know, I think a lot of like OG. When we talk about OG people, we talk about OG like Bitcoin people who have been around mm-hmm. since like early, you know, like 2010, 2012, right? And and those people pretty much have a taste, distaste as Bitcoin maxis for a lot of the DeFi stuff, right? But if you look at the real cypherpunks, right, who have been around from the seventies and eighties, they fucking hate everything to do with crypto in terms of how it's debased it's become into like this financialized type of thing. Where everyone talks about Lambo when Moon, when the whole thing was about, you know, freedom of choice, right? And they're just completely disgusted in it because, you know, people think that, you know, it's funny because like the the younger generation or the prison generation uh, who didn't have money or who were so young in terms of being just in university, just basically sold their soul for, you know, 100,000 or 200,000 whatever like that, thinking like this is a huge amount of money, right? Um, and then you know the entire speculative space now is you know tens of hundreds of millions of dollars that there are individuals who have you know had that ability for not just generational wealth but this ungodly amount of wealth in such a short period of time using these tools which in 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 a, in a real way have no net like societal benefit rather than you know kind of this redistribution of allocation and this kind of Ponzi as musical chairs right so. You know, he or they who can execute, I mean, like you think about it. Do you think that the cyberpunk, you know, pioneering fathers who want choice look at like BlackRock going for their ETF as a good thing? You know, one of the most powerful like financial entities in the world who have like X amount of backdoor dealings and very opaque practices, actually. Right. Who are part of this old boy system very much so, Um, you know basically using crypto but in a centralized way entirely for an investment you know position yeah you know execution uh you know it's 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 so easy to kind of lose our souls in, in the middle of this right
0: <laughs> so mr house we got a comment says yeah. have you guys heard of this great game called my angry a girlfriend play test live in the discord right now heard the founder is pretty cool too yeah
1: yeah, I already he's pretty cool, but he comes off as a obnoxious old guy, but, you know, whatever. Some people might find that's cool, too. Wearing sunglasses on a podcast or whatever. Smoking his veebs. <laughs> oh, <beeps>. man.
0: <laughs> well, moving on, we got, um, how familiar are you with Blur?
1: Somewhat. Obviously, I'm in the NFT gaming space. I'm not a PFP or a D Gen hunter, but yes, I'm familiar enough.
0: So I'm sure you've heard they're launching their L2. Yes. last Yeah. Yeah. How are you? How are you feeling about this? So I, 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 I'm doing some reading because I don't know anything about Blur. I know I've seen it all over the timeline. I, 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 I didn't have any interest from everything that I saw, and now this new L2 comes into play, and from my understanding, they're supposed to be using a multisig for the bridge. However, out of the five wallets that are used in the contract, it looks like four of them are funded from a single wallet, and one is a new wallet that has no ether transactions. So there's mm. kind of some concerns and red flags there. And not to mention that the co-founder Pac-Man is not doxxed from my understanding. They, they labeled him as pseudonymous. Mm. I, uh, you know, for the and, layman. Uh, hang yeah. on real quick. So to note, I also want to mention that they've already raised $27 million for this L2 that does not even exist yet. It's mm-hmm. only been announced. And right now, the bridge is one way. If you bridge into Blast, you cannot bridge back until it goes live.
1: Well, that would happen the same with when base launched and stuff like that. I mean, like, back in the, the you know, the 2017, when we moved in past the ICU era, you know, into 2018 and stuff like that, and you had, like, Andre Conge, you know, with, uh, you know, um, FTM and before then what he was doing, you know, he'd whatever he would touch, you know, and it was like an un, you know, like audited contract unverified and just a test contract. He would just send money to it. Just thinking that like, hey, you know, whatever Andre touches, it's going to be worth a fuck ton. Right. Uh, and uh, so this is like all Dgen money. I mean, here's the thing, right? We, <laughs> we look at it and we are like 27 million. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money from normies. Right. But for DJs. This is what's happening in you know DeFi all the time you know they're aping into like whatever or whatever meme coin that you know basically if you go to these alpha groups that you know i don't attend but you know i know of very much you know they'll shoot in like 2 3k into like these these coins that are completely meaningless hoping to like you know hit off you know a pepe or a meme coin or a, you know whatever a Doge early um and just kind of do it but Pac-Man blur one thing that everyone does know is that he is the ultimate optimizing degen i mean he knows the trends and so when blur first came out it was hailed as you know what nft marketplaces and what you know OpenSea should have been but isn't they had their own token you know they had like mass transactions and you know they basically took away this view of you know here are your pfps in a gallery and stuff like that and just pretty much just listed them out as if it was like you know Uh, you know, detail on like a, you know, file explorer or whatever like that rather than, you know, a gallery. Um, And then the net effect of that was that, you know, um, PFPs that were holding their floor during the bear market just got annihilated, right? As they're farming for airdrops and these airdrops, you know, the first airdrop went really, really well. And then people were just farming for the sake of farming to get this airdrop and then using the NFTs as just basically you know, their, you know, ammunition for liquidity. Yeah. Right. And then suddenly blur became like the evil force, like the the soul sucking Darth Vader of well, not Darth Vader, but the Sith Lord of, you know, exchanges. Right. And so then, you know, in some ways, everything became very polarized um, in terms of how people looked at it, but no one can dispute the fact that, you know, Pac-Man blur, he knows his shit he knows the right product market fit for D-Gens to DeGen on uh, to the max degree. And so um, I think that if he's seeing there's an opportunity in L2s, it's definitely there. And I think the opportunity that he sees and the way he executes it will be the max amount of gen. But when you have the max amount of DGEN, you also have the max amount of exploitation, right? In terms of like kind of like hitting at that weak spot in, in the in, in, in the system where you're extracting, like you're just basically like, instead of you're a little mosquito and you're sucking out a little blood here, or whatever like that, you know, whatever, whatever he does, you know, he gets this whole crowd of DJs to come in and it's like basically taking a fire hose and just sticking it into your neck and just pumping out your lifeblood right out of your, you know, your your main veins and stuff like that. Um, so I think he definitely, and everyone who comes in early that works with Pac-Man Blur, uh, you know, uh, you know, he's as best bet like than anyone or as anyone who could be a, a bet uh, simply to, you know, extract from this market and, and uh, you know, have that really super de- uh, degen edge, but that the reality is that what a lot of people completely disregard and, and don't understand is that finance is a market upon, you know, an established economy and established mm-hmm. industries, right? And we think that in, in, in crypto or in, in uh, DeFi or whatever like that, that that no, that it's entirely its own market, that that's what the economy is. Right. Um, and when you separate that from revenues or utility or, you know, long term value or productivity, right, um, you know, uh, you know, you could really just suck it dry. You know, <laughs> so like, uh, you know, I, I I would say that Pac-Man Blur is, uh, you know, almost like the, he's almost like in some way uh, like this, uh, the last of the, uh, what we call it? parasites or whatever like that, where you know, you know, uh, whatever the alpha or whatever the trend is with L2, uh, Pac-Man will probably destroy it to any particular value and uh, extract it to the hands of himself and and whoever goes on
0: board with it. So it's the beginning of the end of L2s, I think, you know? Yeah, it's nothing, again, Pac-Man may have business prowess. uh, You know, everything that you said, I I don't disagree with. And Mr. House also said that he believes that Pac-Man is Taishun Roker who sold Namecheap. Uh, so if he, if that is the case and is confirmable, uh, then obviously he does have business prowess and he knows how to make money, no issues there, but looking at the graphic, looking at the graphic that's circulating right now, this comes off very clearly as a Ponzi scheme. Um, and I say this because if I invite you right now, Sinjin, I get 16% bonus points. Everybody I invite, I get 16% bonus points. Then guess what happens? Whoever you invite. I get 8% off of that person too. Yeah. Is this not a textbook pyramid scheme? You know, the, you know, it
1: goes without saying, I mean, that's a complete rhetorical question. So I'll give you an interesting uh, point that in, in 2018, China actually banned ICOs because they were going on like three years beforehand, actually in China before all the ICO craziness happened in in the West. And all of them were derivatives of some type of actual, like, you know, legacy type of Ponzi's, but they were supercharged by using tokens, right? And in China, uh, you know, everyone knows it's a Ponzi, right? But they're hoping that they're getting in first and they're getting out first and they're able to get out at the right time. And so in some ways, a lot of times when there's fraudulent behavior or scams, quote unquote, that are happening or Ponzi's in the East, they really know what they're getting into. And they know someone else is going to get fucked here. They're hoping they're not going to get fucked in the West. It's like, it's a Ponzi and you know, it's a Ponzi. And then, but if you don't get out or you got gotten in late you're like, Oh, it was a Ponzi. I didn't realize, right? Ah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, look, there's a fire and you know, I'm going to put my hand in the fire. Oh, I got burned, right? But, like, you know, for some reason, some other people didn't seem to get burned in the beginning as well.
0: Um, so, real quick, we got a couple more comments. So, yeah. Rod said, in summary, this is what the market wants more Ponzi's. Uh, and Mr. House said, the newest and most pseudo complex Ponzi always wins. Uh, but Mr. House also did com- say it is confirmable on Taishun's personal website. He did time at M- MIT, dropped out of Thiel Fellowship. So um, it sounds like, you know, the, it is, he, like this guy's affected. product market fit is unreal, right? Myself, like he seems like a good business guy, but bu- I mean, I you know, wouldn't say
1: he's a good business guy. I mean, he's, he's much more than that. I mean, this man is able to really pinpoint that product market fit for degens like, like at an unbelievable level. Yeah, that, that
0: is a real talent. Absolutely. i was a degen once upon a time and i probably would have aped into it following the other degens but I, I don't know maybe it's me maturing maybe i've been in the space long enough to start figuring out the bullshit. but i i don't degen anymore i'm here to play games and i'm gonna buy what i want and I, I ignore the rest of the noise everybody can hype up blast and blur and all these other games and platforms they want if there's no interest for me i'm not throwing money at it and you know, it's a very- everything about blast just there's nothing that appeals to me
1: you know, uh, the, 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 the mentality to be a long-term builder, right, and the mentality to be a short-term extractor, right, uh, or hustler or degen, they're diametrically like opposite. And to be able to hold both in, in your, your mentality, your perspective at one time is, is quite the feat. Right, it's it's the difference between a startup founder and, and an executive, and a lot of startup founders when they get to the executive level, uh, they're shitty CEOs, right? Uh, but they're fantastic entrepreneurs. Whereas a you know an executive in an entrepreneurial startup situation, even with a massive amount of capital, just sucks. It's like the, the worst possible like fit. So I would say uh, you know obviously, Jing Caron, as you you know decide to build things out, that's a, that's a great thing, and that's where a lot of the sustainable, everlasting values. And we see this with Web3 gaming. You know, obviously there are those who are going to jump on every single meta that's possible, that comes up so they can get eyeballs on their project. Whereas for myself as a game developer, all the things that come up in the meta have already been addressed two years ago when I designed the game, right? Because I had to decide. And like even the airdrop that we're doing for our our pre-beta period, that was all designed two years ago. This is not like something that's oh, wow. new. Yeah, well, of course. Right? And and I say, of course, not because I'm trying to be arrogant here. Is that, you know, you, you have to kind of understand that beforehand, right? Yeah. And so for us, the difference is that we're doing this pre-beta uh, airdrop with an actual fucking finished game, right? Whereas everybody else is doing with some kind of playable bullshit or whatever like this, hoping to like, you know, get the game good enough to whatever, right? But on the other hand, those people who are engaging in whatever, you know, current meta there is uh, in the Web3 gaming space is the one that gets the eyeballs, right? You know, one developer who I love so much, Graslow, He's he was here last week, but, you know, we discussed, you know, you know, but, you know, he isn't engaging in that kind of speculative whatever, but like, what is he leaving on the table? Right. As how much have I left on the table to do freedom, to not have, you know, whatever, uh, you know, a pre token supply that's minted out with, you know, whatever vested schedules, whatever VCs to dump on, like, you know, my community or so on and so forth. Right. Mm-hmm. I've done everything right. But yet, you know, am I really maximizing my time in web three and engaging in this gen behavior, which most djens would be happy to. But then in the end, I mean, like, where do I see the real value? And the real value is, is that this you know, idea of Web3 creating uh, you know, games that are like forever games or digital assets that really are meaningful, right? Then, uh, you know, that's something that as a lifelong gamer and a, you know, a game developer, that's what I would like to see. And that's what I see it. But, you know, I am very much seen as naive. And uh you know, not optimizing our positioning here in, in web three. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you go on a lot of spaces and stuff like that, you'll hear so many of the answers just shilling their shit. And thank you, Mr. House, for the, the shout out and stuff like that. But you know, maybe he's not on a, a lot of lists and stuff like that. But I was talking to you, like a very, very prominent uh, you know, web three gaming, like almost investor slash builder. I mean super highly regarded. We had a kind of private conversation, and and he said that, you know, what Meiji has done is like 99% ahead of every single project he's seen. And he's basically seen them all. He's working with all the major projects. And he says, but you are not taking advantage of the value of why you're here in Web3, right? Because this is where the market is at. Because I don't give a fuck about where the market is at, to be honest. I'm not doing this because I want like an extra, you know, whatever, $10 million or like whatever, whatever the fuck everyone else is doing it for, right? (laughs) I'm doing it for not legacy, but I'm doing it to kind of push things forward. And, and, you know, I had a talk with someone else, and I said, you know, everyone's talking about converting Web2 users to Web3, right? But the reality is, is that things like Paul Bettner's doing, or, you know, uh, Sasha from Dimensionals, or Koji from Parallel, and and ourselves, and I put ourselves in that bracket as well, in Trapnel, is that we're not trying to convert Web2 players. We're trying to evolve the space that it becomes something, and then everyone will naturally move forward into that space, right? But you yeah. have to give them a compelling product that makes them feel like they're moving forward, right? And exactly. you, know, like, yeah, you have shitty cars at the beginning, right? And what if they just stayed shitty, and it was just about sales technique, right? And then, yeah, you get early adopters, but you know, like, fuck, the horse will still be, you know, the main mode of transportation. But as cars get that much better, and you're looking towards developing something that is such a much better 10x product right? H- horses just naturally become obsolete right? You can talk about ownership all the fucking day right? You can look at like Fortnite and you can talk about like CSGO or whatever like that or CS2 or whatever like that but those games are have digital ownership that matters because the games are so fucking good right? How many games have all this in-game monetization and, and items and they're shit games in web 2 and they make n- fucking all and ownership means nothing there just like ownership means dick all in web 3 if your game sucks dick
0: right there's a lot of dicks going around here right <laughs> good you know no you you have a great point like especially when we look at costs right obviously the costs of games are going up we're starting to see games move towards a 70 price point on a more uh, frequent basis um i'm just thinking like for me you know obviously i'm a big world of warcraft person i play and compare it to a lot of games. Now, when I spend $40 to buy a World of Warcraft expansion, that's my next year's worth of content. Sometimes too, in fact, you know, this this expansion we're getting two years of content for 40 bucks. And I come over to Web3 and they're like, here, you can buy this skin. Cool, how much is it? Oh, $200 for a skin. And people are like, well, web three is just trying to get more money out of us. I can see it. I can see why they have those complaints until the the prices are more reasonable and actually applicable to the game. Like, why would I, well, everybody's like, well, just go play web two games. Well, I am. Let me me give you
1: the (laughs) counterpoint then. So the real counterpoint is this, right? The crypto market has tried to tokenize real world assets. Right? They've tried to create like mm-hmm. value supply chains on the blockchain, and it's all kind of failed. The reason why is because I think my, my thesis is, is that in order for uh, there to be tokenization, there, it needs to be a true digital asset first, right? Tokenizing mm-hmm. like you know, real-world assets has a place, but not so much as strong as if there was a really valued digital asset then that should be tokenized, and in the same way, if we look at what ownership really is entitled uh, you know, is really entailing in terms of, you know, uh, your skin or whatever like that on a Fortnite or on, uh, you know, CS or whatever like that. Um, there's a there's actually an added utility that it's not cosmetic, but yet it's income bearing as an asset. So, well, in it depends way- on the game. You know, it, it depends on the game, the game, right? Yeah, but what I'm saying is that it should actually be that all games in Web3, the digital assets itself have such a utility towards the gameplay or the mm-hmm. game experience, or through like some level of financialized earning, right? That they become like, almost
0: like building out, you know, your like buying apartments, right? And renting them out, right? It might not be the best example, but like big time, right? Even though the skins are cosmetic, I can use those skins to get into the prestige portals to earn big time token. Exactly, right? So even though it's still cosmetic and it doesn't actually have an effect on my gameplay, it does open up that utility of earning like you mentioned. And that's why I'm okay buying those types of skins. When there's utility involved, I don't mind spending more. Like yeah. when Parallel launched, everybody was complaining. Oh, well, why would I spend on a hundred dollars on a deck of cards when I can go buy the physical one? Because you can't earn with the physical ones. That's right. You, you, you like you're not understanding these systems. The NFT itself isn't always the value; it's the utility that NFT brings that is the value. Right. So so right now we we talk about digital items in games as if
1: they're like Web two digital items, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so like on the collector basis and so on and so forth, which is fine. And that's a, you know, player persona, whatever like this, right? But if we were to start to talk about assets, right? I mean, uh, digital collectibles, not as uh, collectibles, but rather as assets, Mm -hmm. then that's an entirely different conversation, right? And so then, for instance, I could buy like a a cheap-ass, you know, condo or, you know, cottage in like, uh, whatever, Catskills. Okay, no offense to people who have in Catskill places in New York, it's fine, mm-hmm. right? But in terms of prestige and and social cloud and stuff like that, I'm going to buy in, you know, South Hampton or East Hampton, right? Because that is what gives me as an asset far more utility of what I'm looking for for someone who lives in Manhattan, right? Where, you know, in the summers, like all, all the, 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 the friends and family will be over in that area, right? So if we start looking at digital... Items as actually digital assets, right? That's a conversation we need to have because that justifies me rather than spending, you know, like you know, whatever, three hundred thousand in the Catskill and me spending four million in, you know, Southampton, right? The regular person may say, like, why the fuck would you do that? Catskills is, you know, it's great. There's going to be less traffic there, you know, less snotty people and stuff like that, right? But mm-hmm. whereas, like in Southampton, where a lot of bankers live, because it's like the closest. Uh, basically to get back to Manhattan, right? Other than like yeah. West Hampton or whatever like that. Um, that's where all the like social networking happens during the summertime, right? Mm-hmm. So like for a lot of these finance guys, you know, being they're, they're still working over the summertime, but the utility of that to make more money for their core job because they're able to socialize over the summer, right? With their families and stuff like that, and make further connections industry-wise, um, it's worth it, right? So, but it has to have that utility, right? It has to have that depth of utility as an asset, right? And so even myself, if I don't give a fuck about like, you know, what's going on in finance in New York and stuff like that, Catskills is actually a much better choice, right? Or New Jersey or wherever like this, right? But if I care about my social cloud, my reputation and my networking, then that justifies me getting a $4 million place in Mm -hmm. Southampton because I'm going to make a deal that's going to, you know, give me $2 million a year from that. Right, we're in Catskills That may not happen. Right, that's true. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's just like where you choose to buy your assets is what you either you're you're living with your asset and you're gonna live in your asset, or you're gonna buy ten different apartments which you're never gonna live in, but yet are have a different you know return value for. Right. Exactly. But we're not having that conversation because everyone's fucking under like thirty years old and they're already making like whatever millions of dollars so easily. And uh, they
0: don't give a fuck about this conversation at all. Someone needs to teach me because I'm definitely over 30 and I'm not making millions of dollars yet. So I'm doing something wrong here. King Karen, if you came under my wing, you would be a degen millionaire in less than a year. Six months. I think maybe that's why I stopped being a degen was because I lost more money than I was earning. Hmm. <laughs> but the trick is to keep degening
1: actually there's a friend of mine uh who you know i call him a friend but we haven't known each other very long mm-hmm. he won he he earned and lost millions of dollars tens of millions of dollars three times since like 2000 like whatever 15 or wow. so wow the last time he dj in he was up 90 million from somebody
0: zero. help me here i'm trying to quit from my score. nine to five I'm from
1: sorry. zero right But, you know, why I love him is that he understands the building side and stuff like that. And he's quite the intelligent guy, but he understands and he has fully embraced the DGN culture without losing his soul. Mm. Well, maybe not losing his soul. I mean, he's Korean. So, you know, we connect on a certain level there. Right. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it's it's definitely, uh, you know, there's something to be said about what is going on the market. And so I'm not poo-pooing it in the sense that like... uh, You know, there is value here, there is something to be said about like the short term speculative asset uh, aspect of things, right? But like, I mean, if we're going to get into like what's sustainable for the long term, 10 years from now, right? I don't think it's going to be like what is here at the moment, right? But then again, we may never get there if everything is just always speculative as well. You know, basically we're in penny stock hell for the rest of eternity and we've squandered this technology. (laughs) <laughs> that could have like changed all of humanity and, and made us worthy in the, the eyes of AI, right?
0: Yeah. They'll be like,
1: look at this, like they had like this uh you know, cryptography technology decentralization and humanity just used it to fucking degen, right? They're not worthy of surviving. Let's wipe them out, right? Except for this guy Sinjin, right? <laughs> and Jim Karen.
0: <laughs> oh, We're good recovery. Developers. Oh, So, moving forward, uh, unfortunately I do have a hard stop in a little bit, I want to touch on these last two topics before we wrap things up. Uh, We got the Champions Tactics trailer uh, from Ubisoft as well as their partnership with Animoca. Uh, I guess they're being integrated into the Mochaverse from what I've read. So I think that's kind of dope for Animoca brands obviously being able to work with Ubisoft, one of the big names from Web2. However, I'm still not sold on Champion verse or Champions Tactics, whatever they want to call it. Um, everything that they've released so far, I've seen a screenshot of a card, I've seen like little minis that look like they're gonna be played on a board. I, I think there will be an audience for it, but to me this they they labeled it as a uh, tactical R- PVP tactical RPG. PVP tactical RPG game. Yeah, most That's people cool. I know that play RPGs aren't necessarily a fan of PvP though. I think there's a way to structure it. I mean, uh, to to be uh, we don't yeah. have gameplay, so I can't really judge. I'm basing it off of what's available. Actually, one
1: of the three games I spec out before we decided to actually build out Magee was a tactical PvP RPG game.
0: Interesting. It fits How- in with the
1: the economic modeling for you know. Uh, you know, what I mean like PvP is the ultimate kind of like uh, the best model to create the most robust economic system because it has the risk and reward and that risk and reward is is done at the player to player level, right? Uh, much like poker, if you look at poker, um, you know, the risk uh, to the house is actually very minimal as long as there's not players playing, whereas in the casino, uh, you know, Actually, one whale coming out and having a good run could wipe out the casino or a sports book, right? Because it's the
0: house versus the the player, right? So, mm. I'm I'm gonna be completely honest at this point. I'm biased against anything using cards. I'm so sick of TCG RPGs. There's only one that I've truly played and loved so far, and it's Dimensionals. The rest of them, I don't know. It 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 just feels so samey.
1: all those FPS games are very samey and stuff like this. Don't be a hater, Jim Karen. Just open your mind to like whatever, you know, you're perhaps not the target market and stuff like that, right? Oh,
0: I know I'm not. And I've made it very clear to people, I am not a TCG person. I I love Magic the Gathering. I love Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon. I have- I played
1: a TCG first one in like 20 years uh, recently. Uh, I was the first-gen Magic the Gathering player and uh, a dev reached out to me on Twitter and uh, I played his game called Havoc, and it was, it was wonderful. I've been seeing that one. I've been yeah, seeing that and, one in the uh, feed. Yeah, he kicked my ass, and I said, and he says, oh, well, I'm not gonna kick your ass here, because I could and I go, no, no, kick my ass. I want to see whether or not, you know, how it goes as a game developer, and it was a great experience, and he had a very unique, uh, what do you call it? Uh, a couple of unique mechanics, but one of them was that there was a, a move aspect to the cards in terms of movement, to get into range and also a range aspect uh, uh, in terms of uh, who you could attack and stuff like that. So I had a great time playing it, right? And I think, uh, you know, all games, uh, whether it's like, you know, playing sticks with sticks or dice or, Mm -hmm. you know, 52 cards or whatever like that um, or playing TCGs. I mean, you know, that's, you know, I'm up for any game per se
0: it's ubisoft i i mean other than probably the anti nft crowd i think they're going to do fine um it's just i like you said it's not for me i'm not the target audience but again it's really hard for me to judge cuz i'm basing it off of the early teasers their trailer has no actual gameplay involved so right now i'm speculating that this is going to be another tcg
1: well i'm happy for enamoka they
0: you know as much oh, yeah, as i like can, sure. you know, like on Animoca, you know they have done their best to kind of uplift
1: and maintain the space during this bear market. I think that's out of self preservation as well. But, you know, Yad and Robbie, you know, they work hard. And, you know, they're good guys from all accounts. And, you know, I wish them the best, you know. Um, and so, you know, this partnership, even though it's with like strategic division, I think as well, which is like basically the catch all for all fringe projects in uh, Ubisoft and stuff like that. Good for them. Good for Animoca. You know, good luck to them. I wish them the best.
0: Yep, I agree with you 110%. I think this is great for Animoca. Um, So I'm glad to see them doubling down and improving that they are here for gaming, especially by getting involved with such a giant for sure. I just, I'm not sure I'm going to be playing Champions Tactics just yet. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Especially since I'm not big on PvP. Like I play a lot of World of Warcraft, I touch PvP maybe once every six months at most. So, you know, when it's PvP, I'm in a shooter. I gotta be in a shooter or a MOBA. I'll, I'll accept a MOBA too. But you know, for a lot of PC gamers, person. like
1: some people are like first person shooter guy. I mean, uh, like single player campaign guys, and other people mm-hmm. like don't really get in the game until PvP.
0: Right? Exactly. Like,
1: yeah. You know, I love it when I. Uh, I remember this one time, long time ago, like 1999. Uh, we had this uh, marketing guy, and, and we're working for World Cyber Games. And uh, this marketing dude, and uh, he was he was Canadian, and he was like, "I'm fucking such a great gamer, and I'm so fucking good at StarCrafts and stuff like that." And you Koreans always say this shit like, "You're the best" and stuff like that. And this is the early days, right, 1999 and stuff. And uh, I'm like, "You have no idea what the fuck you're talking about, buddy." Right? I could beat you with like one hand tied back behind my back and just using a mouse, not using hotkeys. Right? It's like, okay, fine. Let, let's fucking play. So we played in the office, and I fucking annihilated him. And so like. There's like competitive gamers and there's like nerd single-player gamers, right? And nerd single-player gamers, in their head, they're really using video games to like kind of enact their nerd fantasies that they're like the hero of their life and stuff like that. But then you go up against a competitive like P2P player, man, that that illusion is just shattered. And I'm not a great StarCraft player. I mean, I'm just an average Korean StarCraft player. But compared to this guy, I was fucking godlike. oh shit, I still remember this thing and he basically quit StarCraft after that I fucking beat him like three times in a row and just humiliated him, you know
0: with like, wow. I just used
1: cross, like, one single unit, I'm like, I'm just gonna use one unit to fucking beat the fuck out of you and he's like, yeah, fuck, whatever, okay give me ten, ten minutes to fucking build up my base then, I'm like, okay, fine That's a fucking thing. <laughs> it's like, I can always tell someone's a fucking noob when they're like we're playing Dota or whatever, it's like, I could beat you 1v1, like single lane or whatever, I'm like only a fucking noob would say that, you know. This is a fucking team game, you know. <laughs> like, what the? No fuck? joke. Yeah. Okay. Fine. You pick your character first. Then I'll take mine second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, our final topic: Pancake Swap apparently launched their new gaming hub. Uh, I don't have any further information really to provide for that because when I clicked on the link, I was immediately met by a big, this site has been reported as unsafe, hosted by PancakeSwap.Games. Microsoft recommends you do not continue to this site. It's been reported as containing phishing threats. So So this is a great launch. uh, On uh, Binance, right? BNB chain? I'm not sure. I I don't use PancakeSwap.
1: Yeah, I think it's BNB chain. Well, you know, like most, uh, you know, Web3 games on uh, BNB have been considered the ultimate shill slash Ponzi slash pump and dumps anyways. Uh, you know, uh, I wish CZ the best of luck, uh, you know, and uh, you know, he's made his money a lot of it out of Asia, uh, you know, just allowing all manners of stuff to happen. And it's kind of embarrassing because like, they look at these stats like game seven, like this game seven status, but like how many developers are out in Asia, but all the ones who are building on BNB, I don't really consider them developers because they're just basically the the scum of the earth, uh, quite a majority of them. Uh, What do I think about it? It's Binance Chain doing Binance Chain, right? (laughs) It's like it's just another Degen uh, uh, platform for these guys who actually know it's a Ponzi Mm -hmm. and who are getting into it, right? Uh, That being said, for everything that I've said about all the DGENs and everything else like that, am I, at a certain level, envious of all like the quote-unquote easy Lambo money that these guys are able to receive for fucking dick all? Yeah, of course I am at a certain level. But at another level too, it's just like, uh, you know, there's a a level of integrity and character uh, that I think, you know, wins the day in the end. Right? And it's not a pretty process. It's not a fulfilling process at the time, but at the end of the day, I mean, uh, you know, looking back on it, like five, to 10 years later, which I know is a lifetime for, you know, everyone nowadays, but for myself, um, you know, it's it's worth it. You know, so uh, I'm sure Pancake will do very well with
0: their existing user base that's the, the the guesstimate that they're going with they believe that they have the potential to onboard 1.5 million gamers like I said though the platform's already off to a very rough start it's already flagged for security practices uh, as of right now based on the decrypt article that I am reading because uh, obviously I want to know more about this marketplace apparently it currently features two games that are themed around the exchange and its branding so great games going for you guys uh. I don't think I would play a pancake swap themed game, but.
1: Pancake swap is the blur of, it, of uh, decentralized exchanges.
0: Oh my God. So it's just another Ponzi? What? No, I mean, they're, they're very good at doing whatever they're doing. I mean,
1: oh, when okay. uh, Uniswap was doing very well uh, and they were approaching volumes uh, that you know were noticeable compared to CXs, um, and then, uh, you know, they basically launched that on uh, Binance and then CZ was like, look, here, look at our decks on BNB, you know, chain and, you know, we're doing great too now, you know, which, you know, really wasn't, which was innovative in a way, Pancake Swap was innovative in a way by taking all like the most degen elements of, you know, uh, decks and sticking it on
0: and, and launching that way, which is absolutely true. I'm not saying bullshit. Hang on, the article gets better. So, PancakeSwap said that the marketplace will give game developers access to their sizable user base, claiming that there are 1.5 million potential monthly players ready to embrace your creations. But in the same breath, said that their their game is seeing 25,000 DAU at peak. That's not even close to a million. That's not even close to 100k.
1: Yeah, but comparably 25 dau and 25 KDU in in web 3 is like fucking pixel oh, still level yeah it's good it's, yeah. still good.
0: it's, it's fucking amazing and if they're all whales and yeah fantastico you know yeah i'm not saying it's bad i just think it's funny how they're promoting this like oh reach our 1.5 million users that are ready to game and it's like you yeah got stop being games. so critical about this dgen marketing stuff man
1: you know this <laughs> is the way they roll you know <laughs> You know, a DJ will like say whatever conflicting you know statements, as long as it makes their position that has no logic, but has a great narrative. You know, you know how many pitches I've oh, seen man. where, like, even in Web 2, they have you know raised you know tens of millions of dollars, and the pitch deck is this beautiful narrative. And then you read it the first time, and you're like, "Fuck, I'm gonna sell my house, my car, you know, put my kids from adoption, and I'm gonna invest my entire life savings." But you read it a second and third and fourth time the same deck, right? And you realize there's fucking nothing here, mm-hmm. right? So, but the thing is, Dgens they understand that and they don't go past that because they figure, if uh, if I buy into this narrative as a degent, that other degens are buying into this narrative and that's enough, right? Because that's that's as far as it can go because it's never meant to be kind of a long term thing, right? You extract at the moment and uh, you know it's it's the way the game's played.
0: Unfortunately, I'm not a very
1: good player at the DGN level.
0: I was about to say, unfortunately, I just, I don't know. I cannot, maybe it's a morals thing. Maybe it's just because I was raised different. I can't partake in these systems. Like anytime it's like, like Friends Tech, for example, I could have jumped on board, promoted it, earned some money off the backs of others, and then exited once I've gotten as much as I could. I can't bring myself to do that. And if others do that, I mean, get your bag, I guess. It's just not for me. I can't play that game. That's well, it it's is. like,
1: um, you know, the, the analogy I, I would give is, uh, you know, uh, when you're young and you're sowing your wild oats, right, you could sleep with everything under the sun that's like basically walking and breathing, right? And you could do whatever you want. but. Uh, You know, I I didn't do that. I I have been a kind of romantic for most of my life. I've had a lot of girlfriends, but like I haven't uh, slept around uh, So on and so forth and you know, you know later my age, you know, I can look my children in the eye and say, you know, daddy wasn't a whore and uh, You know, I don't have any long-term STDs or anything like that Uh, You know, I won't make any comments on the short term uh, you know, that could be just bad luck, uh, you know, as a young man and stuff like that, being Korean because we don't tend to use, uh, you know, the rubbers and stuff. Maybe that's too much information, but, uh, you know, I had no regrets um, and, you know, that that's like something that happens, like, you know, much later in life and uh, or, you know, later in the cycle in the sense that, like, if you do things in a very degen way and then you decide at a certain point, hey, I want to be legit, right? That D-Gen past may have created certain liabilities that will fuck you later when you want to go legit. And if you look mm-hmm. at Luca and Pudgy Penguins, right? I think that he played the D-Gen game very well at the beginning of his career in, in crypto. And then, yeah. you know, he applied certain skills that he knew and he saw an opportunity. And, you know, he's taking Pudgy Penguins to something very, very legit. But that past of his d ness was brought up. And then, you know, he ended up having to kind of apologize and justify it to say, like, you know, my intention wasn't that to be whatever. That's where people were making money. And that's how I got my bag to, like, get into Pudgy. And, you know, I've done everything, you know, step by step. Right. Um, and that's, you know, I guess, a, 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 you know, a, a kind of expression or a kind of symptom of his youth that, you know, he didn't realize uh, or he was in the moment as, you know, a native degen at that time or, someone in the space who you know eventually went legit right uh, not eventually went legit but you know evolved into that kind of you know very yeah. high utility project so you know there are certain risks I mean you look at what's uh, you know the indictment against CZ and stuff like this and you know they've settled and so on and so forth and you know I I'm you know I have experience in this area you know when I worked at poker stars and then I had left uh, you know in 2010 and 2011. You know, PokerStars ends up getting indicted and then, you know, they end up paying, you know, whatever in total about like 1.4 billion to the U.S. government, right? In fines and the, the founders paid like 300 million each or so on and so forth, right? Um, so, I'm you know, I'm very close and understand actually that process very, very well. A 4.3 billion total fine against like three agencies. Holy fuck, man. I mean, this is a great outcome from actually CZ, actually. Right. But that means that, you know, at the early days of Binance, right? Like were they, you know, engaged in illegal activities or activities that were, you know, uh, outside, you know, the U.S. laws for, you know, certain jurisdictions and stuff like that, I would guess probably (laughs) to a high degree. Not not to say that, you know, I have any facts
0: or whatever like that, but to pay a $4.3 billion fine right to plead guilty step down from your company and everything else uh it's yeah. kind of incriminating
1: i mean i don't want to pass judgment in terms of like whatever because there are a lot of political plays here and you know for, oh yeah i mean do i respect cz yes i do do i think that he has been good and been a, a good player in the crypto space relative to everybody else absolutely i'll say that absolutely relatively right but to the the current laws and regimes that are in place right um obviously you know it's relative to crypto but in 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 relative to you know you know legacy and 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 governments and jurisdictions mm-hmm.
0: you know well it's interesting to say the least um you know hopefully cz is fine from all this i, I think i read somewhere there was a like like to... of dollars yeah well i I heard there might be an 18 month sentence somewhere i don't know if that's the case i i can't find any facts to back that up but um i don't know what pleading guilty entails like it publicly as far as i'm aware it's settled it's done with he's stepping down he paid the fine that's it
1: i think there's like one more agency that has like a civil suit against him but not a criminal right but generally speaking, when you pay this level of fine and you settle, it's usually without jail time, but with the mm-hmm. caveat that um, you're paying this fine without uh, any incriminating charges levied against you that, you know, it's settled without charges, right? Uh, that's usually the fully scot-free I'm walking away thing. What I was surprised Not- here was that there was an actual charge made, right? Um and then he had pled guilty right and I think this is the only way he could have gone out of it but that fine is fucking insane fucking fine you know the, the I think the thing is like poker stars and I will praise the founders to my dying day they did everything right and they had a you know a legal opinion from the u s law firm saying that you know what they were doing were operating where right now where they got tripped up is obviously uh where the the payments were involved, right? That they were misrepresenting payments. They had gone to bank, uh, you know. They're you know full till that like another company had hijacked like the you know ACH uh, you know clearinghouse network and you know had done you know whatever like things. And so like outside of the actual poker side, but you know getting money in and out, that's where the issues ultimately lay, right? Not in so much in the poker itself because you know you see like fantasy sports betting and now you know poker is legal. Oh yeah. Different various states online whatever like that but um, you know they did do what they did with integrity um, and I think but again I think even what I just said there is that caveat in order for that business to work they had to you know kind of do things in the gray or even the illegal areas right that you know in the sense that they were you know co-opting things that should have not been co-opted in uh, CZ's case though interesting um, For this to happen, I mean, I would say that in certain instances, they really had him dead to rights, right? And this is probably the best settlement he could have gone to move Mm -hmm. forward.
0: Yeah. I don't disagree. I do have a hard stop though. So we got to wrap things up. Did you have anything to add, Sinjin? I know you got Gamified here in 30 minutes. So if you guys are watching this, make sure you guys go check out Gamified every Wednesday hosted by Wolves Doubt. I know this isn't our usual schedule, so this is a good time for me to plug them. You know? yeah well i love sam i love you uh happy thanksgiving everyone
1: uh do eat do enjoy the food coma because of the global warming we may not have turkeys in a few years so just dig in eat that stuff in cranberry i'm a big cranberry sauce guy if you're not you're a fucking idiot and uh enjoy and, and enjoy your family really enjoy your family if you have time and you know whatever like that's say uh you know give your love to your parents you know make uh some fences and uh enjoy thanksgiving and whatever football that's
0: happening at the same time and before i go into my little ending spiel that we do every week uh, i just want to make sure that you guys are aware go check out theblocksaws.com go check it out it's right there i got the website over our pretty faces more so Sinjin than mine go check it out
1: yeah oh, that's terrible you're much better looking than
0: me <laughs> It's okay on On top of that. Children. Hang on. On top of that, I hear I hear rumors that we have a giveaway. Woo! So uh, if you guys go to the Block Sauce Twitter right now, Block Sauce and Rumble Kong League have teamed up. They are doing a giveaway. Go follow Block Sauce. Go jump on the Gleam. Go start doing the quests and stuff. Get your entries in, and you too could win some Rumble Kong League socks. I think it was socks. I have to double check. I know there were some socks, but I wonder if there's more to it. That's my bad. Okay, not no care, I, I will give
1: away uh, one Meiji NFT. They're at like 0. 0.045 ETH or 0. 0.05 ETH. So I give we one gotta away. We got to coordinate
0: this. No, no, Rod wasn't happy with me last time because oh, really? it wasn't coordinated. Yes, we need to get, we need Can't to spontaneously actually... do that as a
1: founder? All right, fine.
0: Uh, he's I would love you. giving away free shit guys <laughs> no we just need to come up with a game plan so we can make sure you get proper promotion that's what it's about because I'm not got that kind of shilling promoting guy man I'm all from the <laughs> heart not about Wait, guess what next week if you want to give away a mag next week let me know we'll set up another contest alright we'll give
1: away a mag next week <laughs> how Delayed about that all right, I got MAG. you Rod I,
0: I covered my bases this time
1: <laughs> Rod is, Rod um, is the man. Re-NFT, I mean, I can't say enough good things about the organization and Rod, fantastic guy, fantastic people and uh, shows picking Jim Karen as a host because this is a man with uh, integrity, so I always appreciate it. You know, uh, whenever the schedule allows myself to be on the show, uh, I am always open to this opportunity and appreciate this time to uh, have time with Jim and and be on the block sauce. So thank you guys as well.
0: And we love having you on because you ain't afraid to call people winkers. So yeah. <laughs> but that's gonna be a wrap for us folks. This is another great episode of the block sauce. I know things were a little different, it was just me and Sinjin, uh, but I really did enjoy today. Before we say farewell though, again, huge thank you to Sinjin taking time. This was all kind of thrown together last minute. So appreciate you being flexible and hanging with me today. Remember I'm a team sauce never. there. What? I'm a team fucking player. Hell yeah, let's go. But remember, the sauce never stops full. And make sure you guys follow us on social media. Check out the website, which is flashing down below. Check it out, blocksauce.com. Let's go. That's gonna be it for us today though, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining. See you next week.